Guess what I've got in my uh, mug, Curtis? Exactly. What? Uh, Snapple raspberry tea. I got it at Jewel Osco. My mom gave me some money for it. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Say hi, Jacob. Hi. We have a special guest on today. Uh, yeah, we this do. is my boy, my boy Jacob. He is our roommate, me and Curtis's roommate over the for summer. The summer? Yeah. Ooh. And so we all saw this movie together, and then we decided later to talk about it. First Reformed. First Reformed. Great. Starring Ooh. Ethan Ethan Hawke and whoever else. I don't I don't have it up here. Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Amanda French Fry. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Yep. Yeah. I saw his name before we went to go see it, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, quite the name. I didn't. I only saw it as Cedric Kyle, or Kyle's or whatever his actual name is. Yeah. So yeah. I, w- I was like, oh, that's who that is. Right, right. He's yeah. in stuff. He's yeah, popular. I kind of figured because of the name, but that's just me. What, do you think he entertains people or something? I, c- I kind of considered. Oh, you were wrong. Yeah, yeah. But- All right, so let's talk about, like, I'll just read you a plot description. Yeah, as per usual, Curtis will read the plot uh, summary. Go for it, Curtis. Yeah. Uh, according to IMDb, the plot summary is... A priest of a small congregation in upstate New York grapples with grapples grapples with mounting despair brought on by tragedy, worldly concerns, and a tormented past. So essentially, we've got Ethan Hawke playing a priest in a little church in New York who ends up being forced to be confronted by a lot of things that he hasn't really thought about before, and we kind of watch his internal struggle play out externally and we get to watch uh, a lot of contrasting views that come to play in his life just kind of crash into each other right right so yeah i mean it's relatively a straightforward story but it becomes quite the complicated one as of course the longer we get the more we get into it yeah um yeah first impressions i remember we we watched this trailer I know you and I, Curtis, saw this trailer in uh, You Never Really Here, I believe. Yes, that was when we first saw the trailer. Right. And I remember it was that and Beast. And I haven't seen Beast yet, but I remember being very impressed with both of those. Yeah. What did you first hear about this, Jacob? So I I think it was like I had subscribed to the A24 YouTube channel Ah. literally the day before this this trailer dropped. And I saw it then, and I was super impressed by it. Um and then I also saw it again in front of Lean on Pete. Okay. And then I also saw it in front of You Were Never Really Here. Gotcha. So, I also sure. heard about it on the A24 podcast. That's right. They did an, uh Paul Schrader and Sofia Coppola did an interview together. Right. On the most recent episode, at least at the time of this recording, the most recent episode. So right. definitely check that out if you want to get more in-depth information on where this is all kind of coming from, because right. it's super interesting. Yeah, I, there is some spoilers, but they mention where it's at in the podcast. Yeah, which um, is super nice of them. Yeah, that was kind of nice uh, that they told you, hey, by the way, at this point in the podcast, things are going to get a bit on the spoiler side. Yeah, I skipped over it. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that yeah. part. I didn't um, listen to the whole thing, but I did get a good chunk finished. It was about... Maybe 10, 15 or so minutes. Yeah. I was on a flight, so I had all the time I needed. Right, right. Okay, well, let's just go ahead and start talking about the the director, man, because... Hmm, Paul Schrader. He's, he's had quite a name for himself. Raging Bull Mostly and Taxi Driver. Yes. Raging Bull and Taxi Driver 
are the two movies that stick out from him that I'm aware of. I haven't seen either of them, but I'm definitely aware of them. Uh, yeah, he also wrote the screenplay for The Last Temptation of Christ, mm-hmm. Ooh. which was a big one. Yes, uh, that's a Scorsese. That's yes. a very interesting movie. Uh, American Gigolo. Um, other than that, that's pretty much... Well, he al- he also d- done he also, some directing as well, but... Yeah. yeah, he also directed American Gigolo, um, and then Blue Collar and Hardcore. Oh, yeah, Blue Collar. Um, Classic. He's done... He's done a couple other things, but he did on, that movie called Dog Eat Dog, which is uh, oh, Nicolas Cage and oh, um, yeah. uh, what's Willem, his name? Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. It's it looks so like just outrageously and just like so funny, just like it's going to be so insane. Right. Yeah. Ralph but the like, movie clearly maker. That's what he's going for. Yeah. Ralph the movie maker did. Uh, an episode like the Nick Cageathon or whatever yeah. it's called, and he talked about that movie. That's how I remember that movie. Yeah, from from what it looks like, his more recent career has been more him doing what he wants, um, and not really caring what other people think. Yeah, because he talked about that some in the podcast. Yeah, but. it's like the Canyons, especially. Um, like I, this is the only film that I, I've only seen first performed of his, but um, like he did a Kickstarter fundraiser for the Canyons. He put Lindsay Lohan in it, which we all know is such a huge box office draw. Classic. It's such a, huge. such a smart move. Classic. Um, but he's definitely doing what he wants. Oh, yeah. And I and think... so far, that's paying off. Well... If we're taking it at this... With, with this level. one movie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mostly just know him from Raging Bull and... That other movie that I mentioned, but I, like I said, I Taxi haven't seen. Driver. That's Taxi the driver. one. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen either of those. Well, so I mean, it is pretty clear that this is a pretty experienced director that we're talking about. Yeah, he kind of came to be in the same era that Spielberg did, right? And George Lucas, and Scorsese. Yeah, all of those guys. Francis Ford Coppola, mm-hmm. which was so fun to hear him do that interview with Francis's daughter. Yeah, yeah, um, it was. But yeah, so he kind of came in in this. Uh, semi golden age of like transformative movie making, especially with guys like Spielberg and George Lucas like changing the entire game, right? Of what movies were going to be. So he really has a lot of experience with a lot of really, really talented people and oh, a yeah. lot of huge names. Yeah. One other thing that I, I don't know where I read this, um, but uh, apparently, uh, when Scorsese was trying to make Silence, which I know I have not seen, but both Curtis and Alan... We have a podcast. Uh, absolutely oh, love. Um, and after uh, after hearing this, I really want to see it. Um, he was actually telling Scorsese while he was struggling to make the film that if he couldn't do it, that if Scorsese couldn't do it, he really wanted to do it in his place. I think I remember reading about that, but I didn't mention it in the podcast because it wasn't fitting with everything else we were talking about. But I do remember reading about that. Yeah. They, yeah, they're they're all tight. Mm-hmm. At least on a surface level, they're yeah. all tight. Absolutely. Which, on which I also did a lot of other reading about Schrader and his background, just through kind of trying to sort through my thoughts on First Reformed. And he's like, like he grew up in Grand Rapids. He was raised in a Reformed Calvinist Christian tradition. Um, he went to a college in that tradition in Grand Rapids. Um, I think it was actually Calvin College. So, like, he's – and he got, like, a 
his bachelor's, I think, in theology of some kind. So yeah, his first degree was in theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember he did mention this in the podcast. Uh, yeah, he talks a lot about his yeah. uh, entire backstory, like because a lot of those things are what kind of brought him into making this movie. Right. So you can really see. Wait, really? I had no idea. Yeah, I <laughs> couldn't tell at all. So you can exactly. really see his kind of fingerprint all throughout everything that's taking oh, place in yeah. this film. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So should so, we get to more of the plot? Yeah. I was, now that we've kind of talked about context? Yeah, I was just about to say that. We we can start getting into the plot now. Um, so what should we get into first, Curtis? What do you think? Hmm? What, do you think we, what do you think we should get into first? I mean, I guess we can talk about the plot. Okay. Just give it a summary. That way when we start pointing back to things, everybody sure, knows where sure. we're going with stuff. So I guess we can yeah. probably call a little bit of spoilers here. Yeah, it, here's the thing. This movie is very hard to talk about without talking about spoilers. That is true. Because if you don't talk about the things that are happening in the film, everything is very... Ambiguous? Yeah, yeah. like incredibly ambiguous. That's fair. Just because everything is so interconnected and so deep, like so intertwined with everything else, which is one of the things that I absolutely love about this movie. Right. That kind of makes it hard to not address spoilers. Right. So we kind of have to talk about it by default. Right. So I guess we'll say, why don't we just talk about like our quick, Yeah. I liked it, I didn't like it stuff, and then we'll dive in real deep. That way people that don't want to know spoilers don't have to listen. Yeah, that's a good that's idea. Good. Let's, let's do that. Let's begin with what we yeah. think overall. So and then go ahead and start. Yeah. And we'll go around the table. So uh, you go ahead and start, Jacob, if you want to. Um, um, <laughs> great. Pass it to you. Yeah. The first timer you, who doesn't know how uh, this podcast operates <laughs> so is the one funny. that gets to go first. <laughs> um, Fine. I'll do it. No, I changed my mind. Okay. I want to do it now. <sighs> one of you go. I don't care. Go, Curtis. <laughs> Fine. I really, really liked First Reformed. It was captivating incredibly entertaining i was enthralled with every frame um it has a lot of really interesting messages and a lot of really interesting things to talk about along with an, a performance that i think is just incredible from ethan hawk uh incredible confidence from the director's seat and from the writer's seat from paul schrader i can't really think of a ton of complaints that I have unless they're just nominal because even the complaints that I have make sense in the context that I'm seeing them in. So I'm not sure what I would rate it yet, but I'm, I'd have to think about it a little more. It's still kind of sitting with me. I know we don't, we saw it over a day ago at this point, right? but it's still kind of sitting there kind of, I guess, marinating and trying like to, it hasn't fully set in yet. So maybe by the time we get to the end of this, I'll be able to give it a rating. But for now, I'm just going to say this was awesome and everybody needs to go see it. Yeah. This is quite the slow movie, but it's one of those slow burns because it takes its time to develop its ideas. But in a way, in a way that it is so slow that it really sticks with you, like you said, Curtis, and it kind of makes you marinate and think about it after you leave the movie. And that's one thing I really like. Okay, I love this kind of filmmaking. This is 
very similar to Ghost Story, both in terms of style and in terms of like how it's constructed because yes. it is just so slow. So I really, I really enjoyed that. My really only complaints, and they're kind of minor, um, is some of the acting is kind of eh. But then again, some of it makes sense. Like you were saying, in the context of the movie, it makes a little bit more more sense. Um, maybe it has a couple of focus uh, issues where it's not completely on point. Or yeah. takes... it's not that I don't agree with you. Yeah, it's just they make sense to me in the world that has been set up. Right, but right. that's not a perspective that everybody has the opportunity to see. Right, that's kind of hard to explain unless we get into spoilers. Right, and so although it has a bit of a focus issue, it's not that bad. Like I, I, I it's a small issue. Like I said, these are pretty minor complaints that i have but overall yeah i pretty much agree with everything you said there is a clear three act structure here but it takes each act and explores a more direct and more specific idea per each act and then that ultimately amounts to what the climax ends up being in the end and i found it to be very interesting uh which is maybe part of where my focus uh that issue of focus kind of comes in uh, a little bit but overall yeah i really did enjoy first reformed um i found it to be very engaging and very interesting especially for the f- there are especially with these long conversations especially that first one with michael that uh, ethan hawk has i found it to be very very interesting and very thought provoking and later on in the movie, it gets, of course, it just keeps going and there's basically a snowball. So, yeah, I really, I'm agreeing with you, Curtis. I did really enjoy First Reformed. I found it to be very, I would even say refreshing. Um, oh, yeah. Just because of how it does talk like these very hard Christian themes. But at the same time, we're diving into a realm that is, I think it's morally gray. Oh, it's so, it clashes. Mm-hmm with itself so much yeah and that is so fun to see yeah and so intriguing to see um for the most part i was just enthralled by all of that yeah especially coming from a theological perspective but we'll talk about that later right all right jacob your turn okay um i was gonna let this film sit for a little bit longer before i wrote about it because i have a blog where i write stuff about movies link in the description yeah it's down below there um and i was gonna let it marinate longer and i was gonna try to like get my thoughts out before i started to give it a rating because um usually that's what i like to do kind of like to spill out my thoughts and with this one um immediately after i saw it it was one of the most emotionally resonant experiences i've had watching a movie um i have seen very few films that have affected me to this level with this many facets of my life. Um, getting this many emotions to play inside my head um, and making me think in the way that it does. Um, I think this is a completely perfect film. And um, I think I'm, I'm more with Curtis on some of the flaws that Alan was pointing out. Um, because we talked about this for a long time last night. Yeah, we did. And I think um, when we get into the, when we get past spoilers, I think a lot of what we're saying will make a lot more sense. Right. It, it's, we're kind of being yeah, pretty vague. But yeah, we I'm trying to have to be. Yeah, yeah, we have to be vague. Um, I think it's one of the best films I've seen ever. Um, and 
I don't throw that around. Um, I haven't, like the last time I gave a film a completely perfect score like this um, was a few years ago. And I had the, a very similar effect, but completely different direction with La La Land. Like yeah. it's that it's like for me, it's one of the best films I've seen. I think there's a lot that we'll get into with the themes where I'll be able to talk a little more freely. But I mean, I I have virtually no actual complaints with this film. Um, I th- I just think it's I don't know I. I loved all of its themes. I loved Ethan Hawke's performance. Um, I think he is... If he doesn't get nominated for an Oscar in in the next award season, I will probably throw something at my TV. Or rather, my roommate's TV. So he'll be very upset if he doesn't as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think... I'm be- I know I'm being very vague right now. But... Um, I absolutely love this film. And I think, I don't know if everybody should go see it because I don't know if everybody will appreciate it. But if you have any interest in anything theological or philosophical or, um, can I say environmental? Because, yeah, sure. because, because that, because that's in the that's trailer a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know if that was spoiler territory or not, but yeah. Um, if you have any interest in any of those ideas, um, you need to see this film in any way possible. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I mean that kind of goes into yeah who who really is this movie for? I would even say that even if it looks, I would definitely advise to go see it because it has it has a lot of things to say. And like when we left the theater, we yeah we talked for quite a while. I just the basic points of what it was trying to, what the message it was trying to get out. And there's a, there's a, a lot to it, but that being said, it is very thought provoking and does bring up some pretty, it brings up a pretty much a battleground between a number of, a number of different things that I didn't exactly put much thought into before this. And if I may, um, if a thought provoking no, film, if a, th- <laughs> if a thought provoking film scares you and that idea doesn't seem like, a good thing to you. Don't worry. This film isn't like super ambiguous about its themes. I don't think like it felt pretty straightforward. Like yeah. it's, it's pretty but straightforward with the things coming from a very special perspective. Yes, we are. We right. are coming from a very special perspective, but I think, um, for a lot of people, this film will make more sense than most quote unquote thought provoking films. Right. That, uh, that we talk that you might talk about a lot. So I, I like that. So I think it bridges that gap between um, being really artistic, being more of an indie film in its flair, but also being very understandable to a lot of mainstream audience. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into spoilers. All right. Official spoilers. These are spoilers. Just so you know, uh, if you haven't seen it yet or really don't care, whatever. But we're getting into those now. Woo. Here we go. All right. Three, two, one, go. Let's talk about the plot. Thanos dies. Wait a minute. That's not for first reformed. <laughs> or All right. a real spoiler. So do we want to okay, so what, let's just start what let's point? just walk through it. Okay, yeah, that's a good it. idea. Let's just walk so we through it. We start at the top. Ethan Hawk is the uh priest 
the local priest for First Reformed Church yep. in mm-hmm. upstate New York, which is... It's a satellite. Yeah. it's yeah. At, Now it's a satellite. At one point in time, it was one of the very first churches in the area. It's mm-hmm. like super old from the 1700s or 1800s. Right. And it's a very historic site. It is now the property of another church called Abundant Life, huh. which is... Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Um, but it's also like this huge mega churchy looking thing. Uh, I'm going to try not to speak in churchies, but it's hard not to. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, Jacob and I are uh, studying to become pastors and Alan has grown up in the church his whole life. Yes. So, and the, and the two of us, Curtis and I have worked at churches for like the past three years. Yeah. Pretty much. We're both, we're, we are currently sitting at the church that I work at to record mm-hmm. this podcast. <laughs> so, exactly. If that gives you any indication of the perspective that we're coming from on this film, that will help you a lot. So if there are words that I don't that I say that don't sound normal to you as a listener, feel free to look them up because and I w- might I may end up getting into some church ease or some theological dialogue that may not make sense to just a normal person. Yeah. Because right. I tend to go into those sorts of things, especially with a movie that is so theologically Yeah. Yeah, uh, rooted, yeah. and it, which and so it we'll makes try sense to translate. Right, yeah, we'll obviously. translate as best we can. But right, yeah. regardless, it's a mega church, abundant life that kind of owns this property now, and Ethan Hawke's character, whose name is Reverend Toller, uh, is essentially just the gatekeeper for this place. It's pretty much just a gift shop at this point. A historic site that people come through, but nobody goes to church there. And he calls it that too. Well, he he acknowledges people call the church that. Yeah, like, like at abundant. Like life. the youth group at abundant life calls it like the gift shop church or something. Mm-hmm. Because they only have maybe maybe ten parishioners. Yeah, maybe a dozen at, at the most. church. Yeah. Right. Um. So that's kind of the setting that we are. Uh, kind of thrown into at the beginning, this juxtaposition between the mega church that has like its own food court and this little tiny church that's like just barely making it that are so deeply interconnected to each other. Yeah. And it's such an interesting contrast Mm -hmm. already. And that's like the very first thing we see. Right. And I love that they explore this, this basically it's a battle between these two churches because one, the small church um, is very reminiscent of my grandparents' church, which, although it has a b- b- bigger... My own uh, local church. Yeah. It, my own... Home. Now, for my grandparents' church, it, uh, they have a lot more people that attend there on a regular basis, of course, but it looks very, very similar to that church that I just kind of grew up in, grew up in um, as just like a kid whenever I went, went to visit my grandparents, versus this other church... That is, like you said, basically, basically a mega church. It seats five thousand, yeah, as 5, they 000. say. Um, very big. Very everyone goes there. Uh, very expensive, and so that is almost reminiscent of maybe my own church, which seats only about six hundred. But I, I've seen this dichotomy before, but of course not to this extent. But I right. can see in my own life, I can see where these two churches come together in in my own mind. Yes, and for Jacob and I taking these courses, we learn about theology of a church and we compare and contrast different things that do that. And this film, I would say obviously tends to favor the small church. Yeah. 
because that's the character that we're following. It's not like innately doing that because it's better, but it was such an interesting dynamic to watch happen on a screen versus in a lecture. Right. I'm I'm actually going to disagree with you a bit there, Curtis. Um, I think, and you said a word earlier that was that word was juxtaposition. We will be saying that a lot throughout this. We said that word probably more times than any other yeah. keyword last yeah, it's night. It's going to happen a lot because. Um, in all honesty, I think the exploration in the church dynamic here is not like, I don't think it, I, don't, I think this film, even though it puts everything through the perspective of Ethan Hawke's character, um, even with this, even with this relationship, it does side a little bit with him, but it's not like, like it doesn't really favor any sides in the arguments that it puts no, out. No, I'm not saying in the argument, okay. I'm saying just in the sense that because we're following, uh, Reverend Toller. We tend to we, we, we tend to side yeah. with that just as a viewer. I don't think the movie's making any claims at all as to which one is superior or inferior, okay. other than through the perspective of what we are sympathizing with, right. which has to work for us to associate True. ourselves yeah. with this character. Right. So I don't think that that's a claim that it's trying to make by any means. Right. But it's a very interesting contrast right off the bat. Yeah, and I love how we one of the main things between these two churches is money because obviously the small church is like we mentioned this before it's barely staying afloat where it's, well, it's hardly making it through every Sunday. It was almost turned down. It was almost shut down. Right. Until right. a big corporate energy company uh ended up saving it by right. paying for all the money. Or paying for all the money. That's not even a sentence. <laughs> what am it I doing? Paid paying for all paying the money. for the restoration of the building and yeah. keeping it afloat for X amount of time. Right. And that same company also is consistently uh in return is getting money from abundant life. Right. They're like the second or third largest donator to this energy company. Right. You have something to say, Jacob? Uh, I did. Um, I think one of, okay, so about the whole money thing too, I think it's really interesting that, so a little more about Ethan Hawke's character before I go into this. So he is a ex-military chaplain who, he has a lot of tragic stuff happen, like his son got killed after six months in the military because he kind of pushed him to go to it. And then and his it, wife left him. And everybody left him. Yeah. Well, um, his whole, yeah, he was completely abandoned. Yeah. And because of that, um, it seems like what happened is this pastor at Abundant Life, this senior pastor, Jeff Jeffers, which is a name in this movie. I'm not I making fun that. of it. That's funny. Jeff Jeffers. That's, such a pastor that's, name. That, that's his it name. It is. That's the it's greatest such thing. A pastor name. But he kind of takes him under his wing. He gives him this pastorate um, at this church. Um, so he owes everything to Abundant Life. And I think. We definitely see that like play out in how this, in the yeah. relationship between the two, because he, he definitely like, starts out with this just innate loyalty to whatever's happening there. But right. but it's not just a loyalty though. Like what I what I noticed is that he doesn't want to be a burden to them. Like he says, like, I he don't I don't want to like bother them because like right in the beginning of the movie, there's a plumbing leak in the men's bathroom right. that that he tried to fix earlier and he wasn't able to fix it. Like he fixed it and then it leaked again. And the guy and uh, the organist, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, said, "Just call Abundant Life and get them to fix it." And he's like, "I don't want to bother them with it." Like, he doesn't want to be uh, in the debt 
of abundant life yeah. because he feels like he already is so much. Yeah. Right. And he feels like, I think that's another, um, I think that's another point towards the contrasting views of the churches. Like clearly yeah. it's abundant life. That's doing all the work around here. So there's no reason for first reform to be getting in the way of that just because there's a leak in the bathroom. Right. Like right, they can yeah. fix that themselves. So why bother the guys that are doing the real ministry? Right. And then as we get farther into the movie, uh, it becomes more and more clear. Yeah, and we start to we start to see that at least from the view of Toller, abundant life. The pastor Jeff Jeffers, is, at least in his mind, is blinded by money because he is. As we find out, he was endorsed by Balk. I think is how you, I think is what Balk, he's called. Yeah. B A B A L Q. Yeah. Oh, Q. Q. K is the baseball term. Right. Yeah. So they were endorsed by Bulk, which is essentially, remind me again, it's an energy company? It's a it's huge energy company that is like mega involved in polluting the earth. Right. Yeah. And we find and out And they're eventually. local too. It's not, yeah. Yeah, they're a local energy company, but they're like pretty big and they're... They tend to uh, cut corners. And, right. And they're pretty much responsible for polluting this one lake that also becomes very important in the movie. Right. And so when... So that's our, that's our whole context. Yeah. That's, that's where we get placed into. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. No, pretty no, simple. No, no big deal. <laughs> like we said, the story is simple, but everything going into making the story is very complex. Oh, yeah. it's very detailed. Yeah. Yeah. And Which so... Is, from we, a pastoral perspective, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Yeah. Because knew, that's what we do daily. Right. I knew that you were, this is, I brought up my criticism of this movie has a bit of a lack of focus. And then that's what you said to me was that this is basically the life of a pastor because they are running around day in and day out with yeah. hardly a connection between one event to the next. Yeah. But they're, but somehow they're all like everyone is connected to yeah. somebody else somehow. So you always have to be aware of every context that you're right. walking into. Yeah. Right, and on top of all of this, there's a couple, one of the few that attend First Reformed, Mary and Michael. Mary and Michael. Mary approaches uh, Reverend Toller and says, "My husband is having some problems. I was wondering if you would talk to him. He said he would agree to meet with you." What we learn is that he is an environmental activist who is starting to become more and more extreme. And he found out that Mary was pregnant, and I just said that and realized the alliteration there. Yep. <laughs> that was wild. And fun fact, um, Amanda Seyfried was actually pregnant while filming this movie. Yes, she was. So was we find so. out that Mary was pregnant, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael wants to get rid of the baby because he's concerned about the life that that child will lead in an environment that is already doomed for destruction in our lifetime. Right. And this brings in what I found to be probably, in my mind, the most interesting aspect is, yeah, how do we raise a child in a world that we know is basically doomed? Which is more of a theological question, just framed in like an environmental perspective. Right, right. And so they use the environmental aspect to bridge or essentially... I think we were talking about this last night. You said that it was basically a vehicle of getting this idea across. Not yeah. necessarily a theme, but more of just well, a it's way also of a theme. Well, yeah. I, so kind of the way I phrased, because there's a lot of different vehicles for that in this mm. movie. Um, I phrased, like when I was doing, when I was pinning down my thoughts, um, it's basically being a treatise on the differences between facades of authenticity and the real thing. And it uses... Um, 
and it also has a lot of other things about like fear and a fear of authenticity versus a fear of facades. Like it deals with so much related to the idea of real versus fake. And the environmental thing is probably, yeah, it uses that throughout most of it. And it deals like the, the church dichotomy that we've been mentioning. That's that it plays a big part in that too. Mm-hmm. And now we are encountering the dichotomy of envir- environmentalism versus corporate America a little and bit. Christian thought as right. well. Yeah. Right. This I also Even, find to be very interesting. And this is one of the things that is carried throughout the film for the most part. And for the record, that's Christian conservative evangelical thought. Not generally Christian thought. It's not thought. generally Christian thought. Yes. Yes. Because this Christian movie, thought is a bad term to use in general. Yes. Right. So if we I'm going to go ahead and put this disclaimer in there. You can decide if you want to edit this out or not, Alan. Mm-hmm. But just a disclaimer, if we say the word Christian thought in this movie or if we talk about the Christian perspective and we're not explicitly referring to Ethan Hawke's character or his church, we're probably talking about evangelical white conservative America. I would agree. Yeah. So unless we're talking about Reverend Toller. Right. Yes. Yeah, unless we specifically mention Toller, then we're probably going to be talking about what you guys talk about. Yeah. But it's such an interesting dynamic. Right. Uh, and it would have worked with other things besides environmentalism, but that was such a smart choice. Right. Because it is it's timely. It, it appears to be juxtaposed, but not too far. Right. And I like how this is essentially a topic, at least in my own experience, I think we mentioned this yesterday when we were talking, that we don't really see in the church as much. Right. I mean, it's a thing, yes, but we it's not something that we are essentially concerned about, which is where this movie takes and challenges that and says, Why aren't you? you know, yeah, exactly. And that's such an and that kind of pushes Toller to start thinking about all of these things, yeah, right. He starts to question the things that he was so sure of, like relying on this church who's paying money to a corporation that is deliberately like cutting corners and right. harming the environment when he's starting to recognize, well, the environment is God's creation and we're being called to take care of it. And why aren't we taking care of it? And that's something that never would have been brought to his mind without his conversation with Michael. Right. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been so um, elevated had it not been for Michael's eventual suicide. Right. And I love that, uh, so Michael, yeah, he commits suicide, but I like the line that they have where she says, I, I can't remember the exact line, but she basically says that he wasn't a Christian. He never was saved. She, she, she was the religious one. Yeah, she was the religious yeah. one. He never got into that. And so we know from a Christian perspective that he has essentially gone to hell at this point, which is so interesting because his way of thinking has influenced, the, has influenced Ethan Hawke's character to take action. Yeah, and for arguably the the positive for the good. Yes. Yeah. Which I just find to be very interesting. I have, don't think I've I cannot say that I've ever seen this in a Christian movie or a movie that is explicitly Christian um that I have seen at all. Yeah. I just find it to be very interesting. I think there's one other thing we left out and that is that his wife finds a bomb vest in their oh, yes, garage. That happens right before yes. he that commits That happens suicide. right before he commits suicide. And she gives the vest to uh, Reverend Toller 
And then uh, I think what we assume is that he finds that the vest is gone. He assumes what has happened. And then, and he, then goes, he blows his head yeah, off. Yeah, he goes to take action. Right, right. We, we so, get that through essentially indirect dialogue. That is what happens. Yes. Right. And we also... And this is one other thing, too. That scene where he and Toller are talking is absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. that That's one of my favorite scenes in the film, hands down. Because... I don't know. We didn't mention really Schrader's style in this film a whole lot. Um, he... I remember you saying last night, Alan, he... You can count the number of moving shots on one hand. Yes. It's very static. Yes. And every, almost every shot of this is basically still. There are, are a few exceptions. Like I said, I can count on one hand the number of dynamic moving shots, like physically like dolly moving shots, mm-hmm. than there yeah. are static shots. And it's also four by three. Yes. Um, which I love. I, I love that. I. It's such a unique choice, and I think it really – because it narrows your perspective a lot mm-hmm. on what you're seeing. And I think for him to, because he doesn't use many cuts in that conversation that they have, which is really interesting. No. He does he does mainly that that shot that profile shot with both of them, and I love that because yeah. you got, you got to see the reaction um, of the two of them together. It's actually one of the only like come to think of it, it's one of the very few shots where people are like sitting because there's a lot of conversations in this movie yeah it's one of the only shots where both people are in frame for a majority of the time mm-hmm. because you see a lot of times like there's a scene there's later a shot, reverse shot it's, yeah yeah it's shot reverse shot or there's definitely a perspective um like i'm thinking of one scene in particular where uh reverend toller has a conversation a very heated conversation with a choir director that he was previously romantically involved with right on a staircase and they're kind of, it's a very harsh conversation and you can definitely tell that even though they're both in the shot, there's somebody who's dominating the, the discussion. But this is a very like even scene. And honestly, I'm very impressed with the writing too, because Michael in this scene has so much like rich thinking yeah, and he has a lot of heart as well. And he's yeah. very and he's very open to what Toller is saying about the theological side of things. And I love that because I think that's a that's a perspective that in Christian themed theologically driven films, how much do we really get that where somebody who um, is described explicitly as not the religious one mm-hmm. that they're talking like that? I I love that. Yeah. So. Yeah. We, so, yeah, basically, I mean, it's all very one-sided when it comes to those kinds of movies. Yeah. This is very, it starts off on one side with Toller, but then we get to see him gradually move and change to yeah, something much different. Yeah, with amazing journal. Yes. Yeah. So the, throughout oh, the whole yes. movie, throughout the whole movie, he's journaling, mm-hmm. and we get to hear his thoughts progress from where they were at the beginning of the film to where they end up being at the end of the film. And that's such an incredible device to use. Because even during that scene where they're, where he and Michael are having this conversation, we freeze for a while and we can hear Toller's inner thoughts working. Right. And it's such a great way to get a perspective on a character yeah. and to watch him think and to kind of work things out with him as he goes. Yeah. And how at moments he's like, I'm going to tear out these pages or I shouldn't have said that. And yeah. That. We, we, we see very early on that he is 
not a perfect person. And I like that these movies show the movies like this that show a priest that is not a perfect person. Right. Um, dive into that idea and how yeah. And at one moment he actually does rip out two pages. We don't ever see it him do it actively, but we see writing in his next entry that there are two remains of what used to be pages of, mm-hmm. of journaling there. I just find that to be very interesting. I don't know if we ever got what was on those pages. I don't think we did. I think I think we I don't think we I think he left it up to us to kind of no. think what right. he was writing at those I think, moments. I think he did because I think he did dictate those to us. I, yeah, I, think, I couldn't but remember I think if we did or not. The, the way I took it was the last couple the last couple uh, journal entries that he had, um, he was taking those out. Because right. you, you definitely see, like, there's a lot of, I don't want to say wishy-washiness, but there's a lot of uncertainty on his part. There's a lot of... Um, a lot of doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to refrain from using that word because that conjures up something else in the Christian side of things. No, I like doubt. But yeah, there, there's a lot of doubt as to what he... Um, is thinking about all this for a while. And then I'm pretty sure those, those couple journal entries where he was like really not sure what to think. Um, right after that, he starts looking at, uh, footage of suicide bombers on, uh, the, the internet. YouTubes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then from then, and then right after that, I think is when he tears them out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll kind of want to go back just a little bit to when you were talking about style, Jacob, because yeah, yeah this movie is shot in four three. It is very traditional in, in its looks, the, not only with Toller and the church and, and the opening credits and things like that, but yes, the opening credits as well, because we have like the older style of movies opening credits, um, not just like actors and stuff like that, but we get basically the whole the whole cast, everything that you would normally see in a movie from the 50s or something like that. And it's done with that, like, two-column. Yeah, like, yeah. it's very traditional. Right, and the and title so card. Yeah, and the title card itself is in a very fancy font. It's very traditional. Yeah. And then it slowly fades in to get to the church. It's almost, it's essentially black and white when it begins, and then yeah, eventually we finally start color. getting some color and some movement. Yeah, exactly. And I find it to be very interesting, and I love how it carries out the, the entire movie because basically Reverend Toller is pretty traditional in his thoughts just because of what's happened and where he's at. And then we have, on top of that, the church that he is a, a basically in charge of. Two hundred It's coming on his 250th anniversary of the church alone. Very traditional, very old, and we get to see how Reverend Toller, his mind changes from a very traditional way of thinking to a very new age way of thinking. Yeah, talking about technique, and we can feel free to edit this bit out because I don't know if it's going to be pertinent to what actually we're talking about. But do you guys think that this film, like, what do you think it would have done if uh, it was shot in black and white instead of color? I think that may have taken away from it. I agree. Because... Taken away from, like, the realistic aspect of it? Like, no, I like would say more of impact. a lot of tone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at one it's, moment. It's a very yeah. desaturated look for the film. Yeah, it um, is. Like, there's... The color that's there is kind of pale. It's kind of bleak. Um, so it's pretty like, yeah, the colors are very important. Yeah. And I think without color, we lose a lot. Yeah. I know at one moment, um, when, uh, Mary comes over to Toller's house 
and she essentially lays on top of them and then we have that scene of them raising up and then the background changes to something different and them flying over like this mountain and things like that that's where i think the color is what it all poops out yes Into and we're flying over a desolate wasteland exactly of rubber tires exactly oh, no, and the so, rubber tires yeah and so in that moment i think the color needs to be there yeah we have to have that yeah and then yeah when, then it transforms into more devoid drab uh, washed out colors yeah with yeah. the tires and the uh it was the river with a with a ship uh, i think it was a shipping liner or no yeah. a, a store it was like a i forget the technical term for it but yeah there's a ship like sinking next to bulk or whatever so yeah yeah it's in that it's in that lake that they show a lot right, right. which he goes to a couple times mm-hmm. um michael has his ashes spread there um and then he also he kind of just goes there to like meditate later yeah to mm-hmm. just kind Almost. of process right um yeah so the story jugs along chugging right along we just kind of watch him devolve into this new way of thinking it causes conflict with virtually everyone yeah everyone that cares about him everyone that appears to care about him because of the way he's thinking he's like all these things are wrong and they're all trying to convince him that he's not living in the real world and that and he's just saying, you guys are just so blinded by all these things that you can't see what's really going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's pretty much the thus and so of the whole movie. Right. We climax on the 250th anniversary. And then he starts covering himself in barbed wire. and Which, wasn't, which wasn't his original plan. No, his original plan was to use the uh, bomber jacket. He was going to be in the... Because the church was part of the Underground Railroad. And there was a little... At least that's what I got. Was that like at one point he like he was gonna use the trap door as where he was gonna hide and then blow everybody up. See what I got was more of okay. So the I th- it was either a spokesperson or the CEO of Bulk was gonna be there and yes, CEO Jeff, yeah. yeah. And then of course Pastor of Abundant Life is gonna be there as yeah. well. So his plan was to try and to disassemble that establishment by taking down those two big heads yeah he was and that was a martyr that was his idea right and his own establishment in the process uh of course which was like the risk that he had to take to get there yeah yeah but he was only going to do that because mary wasn't supposed to be there she was moving away and he told her not to be there and then she showed up so he was like well i need to do something else now so he decides to cover himself in some barbed wire Mm -hmm. and then he was going to drink some uh, Drano. Drano. Yep. Which he got the barbed wire from a little bit earlier when he was working out in the cemetery and found a, I think it was a rabbit. He yeah. got caught. Yeah. And so he takes the rabbit and then takes the rabbit out of the barbed wire and then unwinds the barbed wire. That's how he, that's how he set up the barbed wire from then on. And the Drano from yeah. earlier um, as well. He was well. using it to unclog his toilet or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. Which we, oh, we should also touch on his health we, problems. Yeah. His cancer. Because. That yeah. is definitely a motivator in his mentality if he has nothing mm-hmm. to lose. Yeah. Because he's been given this diagnosis and he's like, well, that's just one more thing. Right. Yeah. I was already feeling like we're doomed and now I'm doomed. Yeah. So I might, I need to do whatever it takes to get people's attention. Right. And I see this as, okay, so Mary is having a child. The child is on the way, Right. The church is having its 250th anniversary because it is just so old. So, and then of course, Toller has cancer. He's going to die, essentially, is what the movie's alluding to. 
um, because he keeps delaying his checkups. He, when he does find out it is, I forget what kind of cancer, but it, it is a... They, do they ever say? They said... They mentioned it. I just can't remember what it is. Yeah. they. I forget exactly what it kind of cancer it was. It wasn't super serious, but it was just serious enough to make him think that it wasn't even worth his time trying to get better. Right. Yeah. Right. So I kind of see this as um, Reverend Toller and his church are essentially the same thing. They're yeah. both basically are on the verge of death at this point. Oh, or getting or to just, that. That's just like horrible, right? Like pseudo living, right? They're not exactly what they used to be anymore. And then when Mary comes along with this new child, who's giving birth to new life, um, and then at one moment, I think it's at one moment, maybe I'm getting confused with Hereditary. Uh, <laughs> they're no, they are both like wet, and it's like raining. But I think I'm getting confused with Hereditary. Um, what What's the whole wetness about? I don't know. Forget it. I'm just going to move on. That's probably hereditary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then we see Mary come in and essentially show him that, you know, this isn't the way necessarily. Yeah. And she kind of walks in as he's getting ready to drink the Drano. Yeah. And then he drops the it, glass. He drops the glass and is like, there is some hope here. Yeah. And there's no dialogue mm-hmm. in that and scene. And she saves him. Right. I loved that. God didn't save him. She saved him. Yeah. And what do you think Mary's whole reason for being in this movie is, other than this one moment? Because I, f- I kind of have an answer, but I'm not so sure completely as to what her most, like, or what her role is in the story, other than saving Reverend Toller. What do you think? I don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> I, that, I have that might be her primary reason for being. I think is to continue to. Show him that there's some kind of goodness out there, even when he's in the. He essentially takes the position of where Michael was before he died. Yeah. Well, I guess the more I think about it, um, okay, let's take it in a very literal sense. You said be right at the beginning of the spoiler session that her name her her name is Mary. She's giving birth to a child. Obviously, this is a uh, reference yeah. to or an allegory to the birth of Christ. Yep. And it. I don't think the movie ever explicitly states um, that her and her boyfriend at the time, Michael, did have sex, but it's pretty much heavily implied. They were married. They were married? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they were. Yeah. yeah. I thought Michael they weren't. Was her husband. Okay. Well, anyways. Um, yeah, so this child that she has is birth from... She, he's... she's He and... Or I think it's... A, oh, it's a he we find out later. Um, he is birthed... Which is once again goes to prove your uh, what you just said. Um, he is birthed from a guy who is very scared of the environment and where this world is headed. Then again, this child is essentially what saves Reverend Toller in yeah, the end. Him it's and the Mary. symbolism that it could save. Right. Everything. Right. Huh. So yeah, obviously this is. I think this in right in the in the grand scheme everything. of things. Points to him coming back and say, and being reminded that the reason why we are still living today is because of Christ and everything like that, and all that entails. <sighs> wow! All comes full circle. Explosion. Yeah. Metaphor. Right. I want to keep talking about themes, but first, let's get through the tech stuff real quick. Okay. Which we've already touched on cinematography. Amazing. We touched on color. Yeah. We, touched we touched on, on color. On. Mm-hmm. Acting. This is one of the best performances I've ever seen from Ethan Hawke, if not the best. I can agree with that. Absolutely. I've, I've only seen two, but yes. 
I mean, he's it's a very better. versatile actor, but I think yes, yeah, he is. I but this holy is, crap, this is probably good, his good, best performance. Good, good, good. Yeah. yeah, and the whole movie centers around him, mm-hmm. so it's hard to judge. Is is he no. ever not in a scene in this movie? I don't think so. No. Like he's I don't think he's scene. he's never off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's in every scene. Uh, we talked about a little bit before our spoiler discussion. You said that you had some issues with some of the other acting. It felt a little campy, yeah. a little cheesy. I can agree with you, but also. That's definitely how church people are literally all of the time. Yes. Or rather, and this is the way I took it, because he's in every scene. Like, we have a very one-sided perspective in this film. So because of that, it's almost like how the... I don't want to generalize all clergy members out there, but like this is how sometimes clergy members can take their congregants and they can... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time he would be doing something, I was like, I've done this. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I feel like I'm watching like my whole life on screen. Right. So, Alan, you watching this, just know that that's how I live my whole life, minus yes. the barbed wire stuff. Yeah, I do <laughs> I do know that. It's, you did mention this last night. This is basically your entire life as a movie. Or is um, it minus the barbed wire which stuff? Which was so interesting. Yeah. So, I agree with you. The acting wasn't amazing, but at the same time, it totally fit. Right. Right. At least from my own experience. It it's, completely fit. Yeah, the moments I think you're talking about, Curtis, are like when it's really over the top. I think yeah. you used the word hammy last night. Hammy. Hammy, bacony, porky, whatever you want to call it. Um like those mega church boys yeah. felt like they were coming straight out of the mega church. Yeah. Th- that it was group. it was crazy. And that's yes, it's stereotypical. But like that's coming from that perspective, that's totally what everybody thinks of mm-hmm. when you think of that. So they nailed it. It was a hammy, absolutely, but Christians are hammy. So right. it's hard to com- it's hard for me to complain about that as much as I agree with you that that is definitely right. a fair criticism. Right. Yeah. Right. So before we go too far, I I I want to take the perspective of somebody who has never seen this kind of movie before. They for all intents and purposes, they are not ones that go to church or participate inside things they are not somebody who goes and sees these kinds of movies very often i mean probably for obvious reasons either it's too slow and kind of boring in their mind or it's just overly preachy whatever the case may be i want to take the perspective real quick of say somebody who this is not the kind of film that they're used to seeing right i can see this being quite a jarring movie be I would agree for many intents and purposes because aside from style um I think that it could in their minds um what they could read from it is that Reverend Tolder has lost his faith in the end and I which he does explicitly state he has not right yeah although it seems we're on agreements here. That is not the, not necessarily the case. I can see somebody coming in and thinking this is what happened, that he has lost his faith. And that he's yes. just in denial. I would yeah. personally argue that his faith is just transforming itself. Yes, I would too. Yeah. And that he has not lost it. Rather, he has gained experience that has caused him to uh, change his perspective on it. Right. Which is very important, and I think everybody needs to do right. all the time. Right. And so it's just a traumatic experience for him because it can be a traumatic experience mm -hmm. for anybody going through that, especially somebody that's doing the work and living out those experiences at the same time. But absolutely, I could totally see where 
it would feel like he's just, he's like, I'm done. Right, right. Or that he was right. This new age way of thinking, the world is going to end. Um, we Nobody's doing anything about the environment and things like that. Although those are still very valid points. Uh, I can see where some people can be pointed in that direction and only take that piece of information from the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. But But don't do that. Do be warned, that's only a small portion of this movie. And it, yeah, once don't again, do that, kiddos. Yeah, it stay it steers more towards the overarching themes of the whole movie, not necessarily something that the movie is trying to say outright. Because yeah. if there's one thing that this movie is trying to say, it's a lot. There is a lot of stuff in this movie. This movie is quite a dense movie. Which but we kind of summed up last night, right? Right. Yeah. How would we? do that what's the best way to summarize just the overarching theme that's why I, that's where i had an issue because i really couldn't think of a the best way to summarize it because it is essentially a three a three act movie but each act is so fundamentally different yeah. in terms of representing an idea than the last but they all serve to represent the same idea in the in the very end that it is just hard to kind of mesh it all together yeah. and talk about it as a summary. I summarized it last night and mm -hmm. I think this is where I'm settling. Uh, as the following. Sometimes people don't like authenticity because it's dirty. They just want the idea of authenticity. Mm -hmm. And when someone finally discovers that there's dirt underneath all the plastic, that it changes everything. Right. And people yeah. are drawn away from it. But in reality, that is the highest form of being that you can attain. Right. And I definitely see that exact same thing. Uh, more specifically, I would point towards um, being blinded by financial gain because... I agree. Uh yeah, abundant life. It's okay. So this movie is essentially talk essentially talks about in act 1 the uh the idea that life is precious and we get that and from the conversation. Yeah, we get that from the conversation with Michael and his new kid that's coming. Um we get that with Reverend Toller and how he how we get to know him because of how old he is in the church and all this kind of stuff. And then we get to part 2 which is very more more centered towards um the environmental stuff and also also kind of bleeds into part three. Um, part three really focuses on the more financial stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. the church juxtapositions in terms right. of finance. Right. And so I, so essentially what I'm seeing is uh, life is precious. Yes. But more to the fact of what you were saying, Curtis, uh, when you find dirt underneath what looks good, then there's an issue. And, then when we find that abundant life being ironically called abundant life really doesn't care for, or does, yeah, it really doesn't mind or really doesn't care for the environment that it's protecting. You've got integrity there. You know, you're yeah. talking at this point about character when it all comes down to it as well. I agree. Yeah. I see it a little bit differently. Um, well, you're wrong, so, obviously. Because <laughs> this film totally has only one valid interpretation, That's obviously. What I just said. Only one. Only one. So. Um, so, 
I want to go back to that youth group scene because I think there's a lot in there that kind of because that comes about. Oh the, yeah. Because that comes about yeah. the that that comes about the midpoint of the film, and there's a line of dialogue um, afterwards where. Um, so basically, what happens in this scene? Oh, is, is that like Cedric the Entertainer's monologue about how kids today don't? Yes. Want gray areas? It, yes. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. That that scene leads into that. So basically, um, what happens is there's this big rant about political correctness, and then somebody goes, "The like basically in this youth group discussion, they're ra- like a small they're, group. there's a there's a yeah there's a it's a small group discussion." There's a point raised about this girl's father losing her job, and then from there, everybody fractures into their uh, respective uh, sides of the aisle, mm-hmm. like very far uh, in each direction. Like it was wild. It yeah. was. It was. It went from like we're having this nice discussion about some really deep topics to like everything was extreme. Yeah. And Toller mentions that, and he says like there's no middle ground. Everything's just so extreme. And then Jeffers says these are frightening times. These kids they want certainty. Don't think, follow. Like that's what they want. Right. And I think what's really funny is I think the whole movie hinges on the idea of a fear of extremes. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. It, mm-hmm. it fears it fears the extremes in the environmental lobby. It fears the political extremes. Um, and it fears the like it fears paradox. It fears juxtaposition. It fears everything like that. And everything about this movie comes back to that and says these things can ex- can exist in yeah. not harmony but they can exist they can together they can coexist right because like you ca- need to jump into the dirt yeah, yeah. like we, we see the tension between modern and ancient filmmaking uh we see the tension between um like old ways of theology new ways of theology we see the tension between big money and no money we see the tension between right wing left wing um, we see and a lot between. of times how they don't work together, mm-hmm. but how they could and should work together. Right. Yeah. The film doesn't really. Uh, I don't think it answers all the questions it asks, but that's kind of its point. Exactly. It yeah. wants to highlight the fact that answers are solvable, but like that we don't have them. We just have to work towards them. And also, the right. answers are unique. Um, yeah. Every every unique to context. Every yeah, every problem in this movie I think is left unanswered because it's meant to act as a springboard for something in the real world, and I love that. Yeah, so absolutely. That that's kind of like I don't know if we're all kind of saying the same thing from different perspectives. It sounds like we are. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I would even yeah, I would to kind of add on just a little bit to what you're saying there, Jacob. Uh, yeah. yeah, especially when it comes new and old ways of thinking especially when it comes down to uh, the pastor of Abundant Life. And essentially, he's, uh, uh, Ethan Hawke says he's blinded by money. You know, that he doesn't live. And, yeah. then Jeff, and then Jeff Jeffers comes back and says, you're not living in, a rea- in this reality. You know, when, I, when we were talking last night, it's pretty much the opposite. Um, he, ha- he is so consumed. He, okay, Reverend Toller has had a taste in my mind, has had a taste of out, of a world outside of his bubble to, a, to like you said, such an extreme where Jeff Jeffers, maybe not so much, where he's very, he's very much in this walled garden in his own perspective because he lives 
and operates this very high-budget, high-end church, right? And so when Reverend Toller comes in with these new things that he just learned, he brushes him off and says, you are ridiculous. You're living in some kind of reality that doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. Which which is totally opposite with what's really happening. Yeah, and... To kind of juxtapose, huh, juxtapose, yeah. no, another instance of that word. <laughs> um, yeah, you're Curtis. <laughs> um, so, Toller, um, so like you're talking about uh, Jeffers is like a, like a walled garden almost. Yeah. Um, Toller is isolated, but for the complete opposite reason. Oh, yeah. Like he's, he's an island. This whole movie um, he's, is just contrasting oh, things yeah. fighting each other. All Absolutely, time. yeah, I love it. And I, yeah, I, I do really like that we have yeah. two different sides of pestering and clashing heads. Together. Well, and, and and he's in exile in every direction if you think about it, because he says early on, like uh, when he's writing his journal, like I'm going to do this, like I'm going to write the something to the effect of I'm going to write this every day, but um, that might not happen because mm-hmm. I'm only going to write when I feel like God can hear me. So he's definitely had a blow to his faith in the loss of his son um, and also in kind of the fact that he feels like he's the one that caused it. Um, For decent reasons. Yeah, Yeah. and I'd I'd say that's that's pretty well founded. But he also also is kind of... Oh, where did I read this? Um, Shout out to Alyssa Wilkinson on Vox.com. She had a great review of this that helped me clarify a lot of my thoughts on like how to reconcile some of the things that we were talking about with some of the things that I kind of slept on last night. Um, he's also isolated from... You slept with things last night? Whoa, Jacob, chill. This yeah. A Christian podcast. I, I decided to go all hereditary and make a stuffed animal out of First Reformed and some stuffed animals that I had in the uh. apartment. No sleeping with me, thanks. With a Christian. <laughs> Except that he's below you, Curtis. I'm so sorry. As above, so below. Um, I don't want to talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's also, um, he's not just, is- he doesn't feel like he's just isolated from God. He's also idolate- isolated. I-, I don't know what I was going to say. Something about idolatry, probably. <laughs> uh, he was he isolated from this platitudal way of thinking. Like he's, He's isolated from the complacency that he feels that Jeffers is also having. So, I don't know. There's so much. Yeah, we could talk about this for hours, yeah. and we probably have already. Yeah. yeah. I got an Should hour, just... seven, about eight now. I think we've covered most of the big stuff, though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, should we just uh, give our final thoughts and a rating if we have one? Sure. Uh, yeah, so essentially, Jacob, I know that you have a little bit of a different way of rating. You can go ahead and rate however you do it. I need you to do by 100s. Uh, yeah. But, and you sorry, I'm, by tens. Yeah. I'm very so weird. I'll go ahead and you can go ahead and start, Curtis, and then I'll let you go next, Jacob, and then I'll finish it off. Okay. First Reformed is probably... My favorite movie I've seen this summer um, in terms of depth and meaning and entertainment value and all that kind of stuff. Falling second very closely to Avengers Infinity War just because I'm a sucker for comics. <laughs> Boo. Because I just love comics. Classic. But that's irrelevant. In terms of like a movie that like really, really matters, this was... I mean, this is a movie that I will keep coming back to. And... Biases aside, this is my favorite movie of the summer so far. Um, 
as to whether or not I have any just criticisms for it, I can't think of anything else, honestly, besides the things that you said. Mm -hmm. And even those things work for me. Right. Because they make sense to me from where I'm coming from. That doesn't mean that they're not valid. It just means that they don't bother me. So in terms of recommend, please go see this. Movies like this need to keep being made. Um, please go see it, no matter your fears of it or whatever. It may surprise you in terms of where it takes you because it's just oh, it's just a wonderful ride to be a part of. And I will be more than happy to return to this again and again and again. Yeah. As far as a rating... I don't know that I want to give it a 10 just because I really, it's not done sitting with me yet. So I think for now I'll give it somewhere between an eight and a nine just because I don't want it to, I don't want to judge too quickly while it's still kind of settling in with me. And I know it's going to take a few more watches for it to fully settle in with me. Yeah. Right. So that's where I'm at on that. All right. What do you think, Jacob? Um, I think this is, Easily, by a wide margin, my favorite film of the year so far. Um, I think it's. I think its greatest strengths lie in how, it's, like at least for me, it's very personally relatable. Um, so again, like Curtis was saying, like. This film might scare you. This film might, turn you off because of the subject matter because it's filmed at the aspect ratio of the TVs and computers that you grew up on 20 years ago. Um, but whatever the case may be, I honestly, there have been very few films that have affected me in the way this has. Um, I hope that everybody listening to this and everybody who sees the trailer for this movie goes to see it in a theater because it is so good. I will I will probably go see this again in the next couple of days, which you know, with in the land of movie pass, pain to go to pay for that now. Pain to go see a movie. So sorry, Jacob. That's a big pain step. to go see I know. <laughs> like I only do that for Star Wars now. Um, Whoa, um, chill. Unless it's uh solo. So it's your favorite movie of the year? It's easily my favorite movie of the year. Interesting. Because um, only one movie that I've seen this year beats this movie. The only yeah, the Show Dogs. Of course. <laughs> What what is what is the one that beats it for you, Curtis? Show dogs. Show dogs. <laughs> honestly, I, have, I, don't, I honestly don't know. I just wanted okay. to make a show dog. I have a poster in the office. Oh, I know. With show dogs that we get, that I'm I so got. Glad I didn't didn't see that. I saw it but, before they edited out that genital scene. <laughs> Ooh, but yes. so yeah, I think everybody needs to see this film at some point. Whether I it's agree. in a th- like absolutely, if you don't see it in a theater, like I I don't blame you because it's not like a like I think a theater helps every movie. Probably doesn't help this one as much as something like Infinity War, or something like that. Also agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no hesitation saying, definitely go see this. Um, do whatever you have to. Um, honestly, in retrospect, I probably would have driven up to Chicago to see this movie. Like, I wanted to, and then it came here, and I was so happy. Yeah. Yes. I was really shocked because uh, we usually don't get movies that are this small. But I have no hesitation recommending this absolutely, 100%, wholeheartedly. I can't think of any more synonyms for those things. So, what would you rate it? Um, you rate out of 100, right? I rate out of 100 because 
that just makes it that much harder mm-hmm. to get a perfect score. And uh, this is the seventh perfect score I've ever given out. Um, so it's it's a hundred. It's a hundred out of a hundred. So basically, a ten in in our yeah. yes, in our, in yes, you and me if, talk. It's yes, a 10. Yeah. yes. If I was to translate it, yeah, I have ten for a few more rating points besides the hundred. But yeah, it's mm. it's the ten of ten of ten of tens. Like right, it's it's fantastic. Go see it. Yep. Al. Yeah, first reformed is freaking awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, just sitting here and us talking about it has even oh, opened it's up. Make me like it more. I know yeah. that's that's exactly where I'm at. I've liked it now more since we left the theater and talking about it in the car on the way back, and now having it fester my mind for just about a little over 24 hours now, which yeah. is great which, news because yeah. that means I can go back and I can watch it again and get even more about it, get even more out of it. I mentioned earlier that this is a pretty dense movie. And that is all for the better because you get, I believe you can get so much more out of this from multiple watchings and multiple viewpoints from you guys. Because I know that you guys definitely have a different view um, than what I have, which we've definitely talked about. And other people will have very different views from us. Exactly, exactly. That's why, agreeing with you guys, this is quite the important movie because you have a battle between ideas and a battle between i saw one person say is a battle of personal desire versus the teaching of the, the teachings of the church it's just it the whole movie is just i find to be just so incredibly interesting because of these different ideas that it brings up and how like you said jacob the mm-hmm. extremes that each side goes to yeah. and how there is a there is a middle ground for both ideas to live in maybe not peacefully maybe not the best way but it can they can live together mm-hmm. i just find that to be wildly interesting this is my kind of style of filmmaking this very slow methodical very thought-provoking style and the way that this movie is shot the way that this movie is edited it's very cohesive and very tight and even though i may have a few issues with focus they aren't that big of a deal it's it's not like a very big criticism and i I would even go as far as to say it's at that point a nitpick yeah i like i'm with you curtis i'm gonna have to still let it sit a while which is great news because i'm probably gonna get this on blu-ray when it comes out yeah i feel like the more i sit with it the higher rating i'm gonna give it which is why i'm aiming at a nine right now Yeah. yeah there is so much to this movie so much to learn so much to explore so much just to talk about which we've done here and i'm very glad that this movie came out and we have an experienced filmmaker really trying hard to make a good movie just in general and the way that he does that that. clearly felt like he needed to make and that shows yeah Yeah. and i know jacob when you and i talked Mm -hmm. uh i think i'm pretty sure i told this to you curtis if i can tell that a movie that a director has a clear passion for his movie it gets higher points for me. This is the case. Yeah. Yeah. This is the case with, uh, most of basically everything that I've seen from Damien Chazelle. Um, this is the case for a little movie called, uh, instructions not included. Um, if I can clearly see that the director poured his heart, sweat, tears, and soul into his film, then it's just all the more impressive to me. And I saw that here. That happened to me with boy. Yeah, and boy, oh yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, you could tell that Taika Waititi was so invested in what was happening in that movie. Yeah, exactly, and I just love seeing that kind of stuff, seeing a director really 
takes this idea and take his film and really, really push hard for it to be good. So yes, I agree. Yeah. I'm with you, Curtis. I need to sit. Need, of course, needs to sit for a while. But these are thoughts that we're just having no more than 24 hours after the movie. And uh, yeah, I'm still giving it a nine out of 10 highest of highest recommends because it Absolutely. is, it is just so yeah. interesting. And even for somebody who may not necessarily be a Christian, I think there is still plenty to learn from uh, this, this movie and even a different Avenue of what it could go down. Which Absolutely. I yeah. Even gra- which I'd be great. Interested to explore. Cause, Cause yeah. honestly, I think if you go into this movie as a non-Christian or uh, even as a non-clergy member, and if you, even if you hate everything it says, I don't think you'd regret seeing it mm-hmm. because I, I, I think it poses enough questions that are left pretty open-ended that I think you can get a lot out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is not one that's going to try and convert you. Uh, no. Not one that you would that considered to be propaganda. If you want that, I've got a list. Yeah, we know some movies that are like that. This is not that kind of movie. Jesus, this is a, man. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Hey Scotty, Jesus, Jesus man. man, cool it, Scott. Cool it, Todd. There it is, Todd. That's cool it, Todd. With, cool with, it, Todd. With the cheap uh, Anthony Hopkins knockoff playing an angel. Cool it, Todd. Classic. Anyways, oh, uh, yeah, nine out of ten for me. Yeah, Highest recommends. You guys got to see it. Yeah, that it is that good. Um, even if, and it's kind of said this like is four of you that are listening. You right, got to see it. Right. <laughs> it, it is kind of a, a shame that movies that are so good only get so much attention only get to be shown on so many screens but this one is getting a wider release now that we've seen it in our theaters which is when we talked about this before curtis it's it kind shockingly of shockingly has made it here yes somehow yeah. some way it made it to our theaters i wouldn't be surprised if somebody pushed to bring it here honestly mm-hmm. very it's very possible um well uh anything else you guys want to say before we close it up don't think so do you do you want a theater count a theater count for the uh, first yeah. reformed currently. Sure. I, I I can bring up. So I'm looking at box office mojo just so everybody knows that my my uh, stuff is legit. Classic. Um. So since it it's only up. Wow, that's a really narrow. It's only at th- uh, this last. So this week it's only in 334 theaters. Wow. And we got it, which um we're not we're in a. It was community. only in 91 the week before. Yeah, and we're not in a community that would get this movie until a couple months from now if we got it at all. Yeah. My um, only thinking on that is that we're just that close to the city. Yeah. Very possible. Because well, we get, or we get that, a weird hodgepodge of things just because we're so closely located to mm-hmm. Chicago. Or that they're trying or that they're trying to not concentrate things so much close to the city. They're trying to get it a little bit further out. Yeah. Um, which, and it was already playing in Chicago three weeks ago. Right. So. Yeah, and... If that if a twenty four if if that's the case, props to you because go a twenty four. Keep up the good work. Yeah, yeah. what is a twenty four? You guys are killing it. You got this sweet podcast now. You're dropping all these really good movies. I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got Hereditary and First Reformed in theaters right now, and we saw them the same week. You guys are doing great, man. <laughs> yeah, not just yeah. and not just that. You've got. Uh, a ghost story that I absolutely love. You have Lady Bird. Lady which Bird. You're getting count. Oscar winners, A24. I know. The, well, I am go. very sure. impressed. I am very impressed with A24 and everything that they're Keep putting out. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. And go listen to their podcasts because they're super interesting. Hey, they are very interesting. Very and go, good. And go subscribe to their YouTube channel because that way you'll know when new stuff is coming out mm-hmm. from them because they're great. And follow them on Twitter because they're really funny on Twitter. Are they really? Yes. Are, are they funnier than Wendy's? Different kind of funny. Okay. 
Good. Like today they tweeted about how there's this uh Okay, so you know how Trump met with Kim Jong un? No, I haven't seen he showed him oh, yeah. he showed him like this fake movie trailer oh, yes. about like the prosperity of life that would happen if they became friends. I heard about that. And A twenty four tweeted about it and said something like Stay in your lane in all caps, and it was so funny. What, that is hilarious. Was it starring Seth Rogen, James Franco, and uh, no, it was Randall starring Park? a narrator and random footage of both of them. That is hilarious. It was so oh. funny. You gotta watch it. I'm that still, I'm still convinced it was the outtakes from the interview, but mm. <laughs> it's wild. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Uh, once again, thanks for coming on, Jacob. Yeah, and talking it's my about, about you us. suck at this. So yeah, we probably won't have you back ever. <laughs> Uh, link to his stuff in the description. Uh, he has some pretty great reviews that are relatively short, but are quite They're in depth. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this one for first reformed is uh, gonna be a little bit longer, but yeah. Right. Th- thanks for having me on, Alan. Not a problem. I really man. appreciate it. Not um, a problem at all. I'd love to come back into this again, unless Curtis thinks I suck too much at he this. He does. I don't know why he's here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, for all. Five of you. I'll, I'll inflate it by one this week since I'll, I'm going to plug this because this has been really fun. Classic. Um, but yeah, if if you're listening to this and you don't know where my blog is, it's in the description. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll make sure it is there. And you know what? If you don't read it, that's fine too. It's just a fun thing that I like to do just because I love movies mm-hmm. and um, I like talking about them and I like writing. So Yeah. And thanks, Curtis, for coming back. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. You know, I almost didn't ask you back for this one. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, we're not really friends. Well, that just that basically wraps it up. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I think next week, if this comes out in time, and gals, hold on. Sorry, my bad. This is 2018. I'm sorry, my bad, guys and gals. Uh, next week is oh, racking my memory. It's a movie that we're reviewing, Corbett and I. Um, it's either Hall. No, no, no. Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, Ghost that's in the it. Shell. You guys just recorded that. We yep. recorded that two days ago. Yeah, days ago. you guys recorded that just a few days ago. Two days ago. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday. No, it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, that's right. We recorded it yesterday from the time of this recording. Very in-depth, very interesting discussion. I would highly recommend you go see it, go listen to it. If it isn't to be clear, he's talking already. about Ghost in the Show, the anime, not yes. the movie with Scarlett Johansson. Yes. We will get to that eventually. It's a, retros- it's a retrospective. Rest in but peace. But right now, it is the 1995 uh, cult hit anime and it goes in the show anyways that's up if it isn't it's going to be up soon if it isn't up already thanks for listening guys uh hopefully we get to do this more often i know curtis and i are this is kind of like a regular thing for us now and hopefully we get to have jacob on for some more depending on how it goes in the future anyways uh thanks for listening and we'll see you later yeah bye 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 But now looking at his writing credits, I am. The frick did you do? Somebody's buzzing and I don't like it. It might be me. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's the audio feed from the laptop, is it? Well, whatever it is, is basically gone now. Where were we? What are we talking about? We're talking about Paul Paul Schrader Schrader and his writing credits and how good of a writer he is. Yeah.
So and director, yeah. but yeah. he doesn't have as many director credits to his name. Right. Mostly writing credits. Right. 